This week's podcast brought to you by Canine Cigarettes. Our youngest daughter started brushing up on her math skills this week before school starts next week. I gave her a series of long division problems, and she messed up the final one. When the basketball player in her came out, she said, Dad, can we do just one more? I want to end on a make. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. The kids wanted to go to a drive in double feature last night Jaws and Jurassic Park. There was no way we were going to make it to Jurassic Park as the second half of that feature, but we were excited to see Jaws. Me for the first time in about 10 years. You possibly for the first time ever. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I've, I don't remember sitting through it from beginning to end. Just unbelievable. Of course, my dad took my brother and me when I was not yet nine to the Boulevard 99 Cent Theater in Minneapolis. You weren't even nine yet when you saw that movie? I, the summer of 1975, when Jaws came out, I was, I turned nine in September of that year. Mm. Totally appropriate, don't you think? The skinny no. dipper eaten by a shark. And I'm in sure the first your mother didn't know that that's where you were going either, because she would have dissuaded your dad. Well, she from was she was hosting that. her bridge club that night, and my dad told us he was taking us to get uh, underwear for back to school at Corner Plaza, Corner with a K, in Richfield, and uh, instead drove us straight to Jaws. And we'd been begging him to take us to Jaws all summer, um, but it was one of those things where when it came time to go into the theater I didn't really want to I I chickened out but I did sit through it and as I told the kids my dad kind of chuckled throughout the movie while I was terrified but the drive-in last night was sold out so we watched it it was sold out for the next couple of days too yeah yeah well it's they have distancing rules on the um in the parking lot there and all that so but yeah um which I'm kind of interested in that in the in in the scheme of things too. Like, aren't cars automatically six feet apart? Like, why do you need to distance extra in a drive-through? Well, a lot of this or, is not a drive-through, a drive. A lot of this movie. is a lot of this is for show. And, and I'm using my golf announcer voice today because uh, our puppy is sleeping next to us. Yes. I don't want to wake her up. Yeah. So keep going, because what is a more appropriate thing to talk about in a golf announcer voice than Jaws? And Jaws. Well, you made the observation that uh, people looked normal. People people on the beach looked like normal people. It wasn't just like... Even the actors and actresses. It's not like they just had, you know, the best looking people. And and, and And the people that were the extras on the beach just looked like normal people in normal bathing suits and um that was kind of nice i mean until they were eaten by the very fake shark i mean the, the they were effects, very normal looking people special effects were were terrible they were terrifying to me as a kid oh they're but, still terrifying but to me. our kids desensitized by years of cgi violence thought they were hilarious 
Right. Well, I don't know. I, I kept, because our, our soon-to-be 10-year-old insisted that she really wanted to watch it. So I, we even before we, we went to the basement to watch it. Well, we haven't even said. So it wasn't... We yeah, couldn't. We couldn't get in the drive so We rented it. Yeah, yeah. Not even rented it. We were able to stream it. But anyway, I, I said our, our our nine-year-old and I had code words. I said, "All right. So if you want to come up, if at any point you get scared, I will come up with. I'll come up from the basement with you, and um, just you know, w- what do you want me to say? Because she, I think she didn't want to get any grief from her older older siblings. So we had this whole thing set up that. You know, if she used these couple escape words that she and I would come up from the basement. But I kept asking her during the movie, like, are you okay? Are you scared? And No, no, I, I want to watch a little more. I want to watch a little more. So I think it did help that she had her older siblings, most of the movie, making fun of the absurdity of the violence. And the older ones howled with laughter when, when like, a clearly rubber arm, uh, the severed arm of a, of a swimmer was found on the beach and it, it was it looked like um you know with painted nails and like a ring and it, it looked it looked like um, like something you'd find at party city at halloween but that, that's the kind of thing that appropriately should have terrified kids like when we were kids and they did you know people weren't so desensitized to violence because they've seen it so much on video games or other places well, now they've seen real violence on real cell phone footage all right right true that's <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Anyway. But, but um, our dog is sleeping next to us, our puppy. And uh, our friend yesterday. The day after sending her child off to college. Drove down to Brooklyn. To look at a couple puppies. Now, she has been for for weeks responding on um, to... to things on pet finder she's been looking for a puppy and has been sent out a ton of emails and has never once gotten a reply not even a you know this dog already has a home she was like what's going on why can't i get a reply and i said to her i'm like maybe it's your aol address immediately goes into a spam folder we had this whole conspiracy theories set up for why she couldn't even get a response well so she finally gets a response yesterday morning somebody in brooklyn and brooklyn's about a what two and a half hour drive from us so she drove down to Brooklyn to look at the puppies. Well, after driving two and a half hours to Brooklyn to look at puppies, she came home with two, 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 ten-week-old French bulldog already, puppies. She already has two dogs and she five had, kids. She has two dogs and five kids, and now two puppies. But she sent she sent uh, her second oldest off to college. Yes, the other day. Yes, and I. I wonder if there is some kind of uh, if this is a phenomenon that uh, people become not empty nesters but as their nest starts to as people start to leave the nest they acquire more dogs and it occurs to me if if there is such a thing it would be middle-aged mutt acquisition syndrome or mama's you came up with that this morning as we were walking our puppy, and uh, we'd have to ask uh, either our resident dog experts, our or or our resident. Um, if this is we have actually a resident a veterinarian, thing. yeah, I don't know, but it is. Uh, yeah, I wonder if this is a thing. I we wonder, have plenty of rescue. You know, uh, experts. We, we often talk about you know. Well, we don't often talk about. We have have mentioned, you know, the midlife crisis and people in their convertibles or their other automobiles. 
I wonder if this is actually a thing, like when you send your child off to college, if you then get a puppy, or maybe it's just a thing, because we know tons of people have gotten puppies during quarantine, but maybe it's a the double effect. Sending you off the child during a pandemic makes you get a puppy. <laughs> let me, let me uh, go on the record in my golf announcer's voice as saying, I would prefer the convertible to multiple dogs. Would you? Yes, yeah. in, in midlife. But but you could get the the bonus. You could get the convertible, and your wife sleeping on the couch, <laughs> to take care of two oh, didn't little she, puppies. Didn't you, you text her this morning to ask how it was going. Yeah, I texted her this morning. It was like six a.m. We were about to take our puppy for a walk. Asked her how it was going, and she said the puppy slept through the night. I didn't sleep a wink because I was waiting for the puppies to wake up. <laughs> and then three hours later, she texted you. It's only nine a.m. Yes, it's only nine a.m. Good Lord. <laughs> so when we were walking our, our dog um, this morning and then in previous mornings, we walk along a bike path and there's an, an intersection with a road. And so there's a crosswalk there and there's lights, you know, that blink when people are in the crosswalk. So the other day when we were returning from walking the puppy, um, there was a car that blew, not only blew through the crosswalk, but as it approached people, it started honking its horn as if they were in the way. Two like teenage girls riding bicycles. Yeah, it's like like get out of my way. You know, you're you're in a crosswalk. And then I had the a very um, kind of the opposite experience. Well, it is a it is it is a crosswalk. Right there, you go. So I had a kind of an opposite experience. I was coming back from a run on that same bike path, and uh, and got to the crosswalk and was going to walk through and um a woman went through the crosswalk she wasn't going fast but it, it, she was just clearly daydreaming or something and, and she looked over at me and you could see the horror on her face that she had not let me go and she just gave the wave and uh, like mouth i'm sorry and uh and so i just like said it's okay you know um because I've been that person before, like there no malice at all. So you had the one person go through the crosswalk, but super apologetic about it. And then the other person who honk in their horn. And uh, that's clearly two totally different human beings. In my experience, the crosswalk uh, means absolutely nothing. It means this is where we would like you to cross the street. Good luck. Right, right. Well, you know what, though? Like the when the woman mouthed, I'm sorry, she gave me like the apology wave. You know, I, I've done that frequently, you know, um, if I'm driving and I accidentally cut somebody off or I accidentally, you know, screw up something in an intersection. Like the apology wave is a good diffuser of anger. It works really, really well. Um, and then on that the same day where I got the apology wave, like 200 yards later, I had a guy pulled over in a parking lot and to ask me for directions to something. He was like a couple miles from where he wanted to go. And he just said, you know, can you tell me how to get to so-and-so? And I was just... Sesame Street? Yeah. I was just thinking, like, who doesn't have a GPS? And and maybe his phone battery had died or maybe his, he didn't have cell service um, in that area. But it, it like, I didn't even know people still did that. They still asked for directions. So hopefully he got where he was going because it was somewhere I actually knew. It was an easy place to get to, and I, I knew how to tell him accurately how to get there. Well, when we were walking um, the puppy this morning near the crosswalk on the bike path, um, the puppy stopped, often stops to pick up a feather or 
t- today it stopped and picked something up and you freaked out and said no no stop get that out of your mouth and i looked down well, fortunately i didn't just say that i opened her mouth but, and but removed you, it but first you said it yes giving me time to look down and see that our four-month-old puppy had a full not a butt but a full cigarette dangling from its lower lip like humphrey bogart and i thought it, it you know i'm not an advocate of smoking nor am I an advocate of, of canine nicotine addiction. But the dog looked pretty cool in that split second. <laughs> you did immediately on your phone Google dogs smoking. I said, I'm sure there's a there's an internet. Uh, I said, there's a 100% chance that there are pictures and videos of dogs smoking on the internet. And you said, probably, of dogs smoking weed, uh, more likely. And, in fact, both are, are on the internet. Yeah. And, and I... Including uh, health warnings of warning your dog against, well, warning your dog owners because dogs presumably can't access and or read the internet against the dangers of of uh, what I took to be firsthand smoke on your dog. Right. It was. Uh, it, but but if your dog's playing poker, there's a chance that he will be uh, susceptible to first or secondhand smoke. After I I ripped the cigarette out of her mouth. Uh, and you started Googling do- pictures of dogs smoking. I was just thinking in my brain, if she had been able to eat that, the rest of the walk I would have had to look up, you know, the effects of a dog eating a cigarette. Was this, am I going to have to give it peroxide to make it vomit? Like all or, of these thoughts go through we, my head. Do we have was, to start buying canine Nicorette <laughs> to get her off of? And just so glad that uh, that we were able to catch it in time. Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Glass! If somebody came through our backyard two days ago, they may have thought I had just been on some sort of a bender. I was out there with the dog, and uh, she was just playing around in the grass or something, so I was sitting on a patio that is a stone patio, and um, laid back and fell asleep. I fell asleep on a stone patio when I had not had a single ounce of alcohol had not smoked anything and I was just thinking this is the life of like a working mom slash dog owner as I'm napping on a stone patio outside in the sun like <laughs> I took a picture yeah and it, it looked like you said later it looked like I had just taken you for a walk and you came back pooped and not 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 having pooped right. but being pooped being tired and uh, and then passed out in the sun on the uh, flagstone. I mean, who does that? Who who? What sober any, person any, does any, that? Any one of us who is a parent or or dog owner, um, and has lived through twenty twenty does that. Yeah, I suppose so. I was. <laughs> I was just sad that there wasn't a little pool of pool of your own drool on the flagstone like, next to. When the, it first happened, you were sitting you were sitting out there like at a picnic table uh, bench, and I was just sitting there and you know just kind of looking through our phones or whatever. And then I laid back, and the next thing I know, I wake up. You're no longer out there. The dog you have tethered the dog to the leg of the picnic table, and your wife is passed out on stone. <laughs> like what the heck? Has life come to? That's my and, question. And if it had been a little later in the day and the sun had gone down, I'd have had to leave you out there. I, I, I wasn't going to carry you in like little Billy from the station wagon, so I would have had no choice. I would have covered you with a blanket 
and tried to shove a pillow under your head. You wouldn't have carried me that this morning as we were walking the dog, another dog owner who has a huge dog, a 13 year old. I don't remember what kind of dog he said it was, but he did mention that it was like 95 pounds. And, and, this, and, and, and uh, another, I mean, 95 pounds, 47 of which were like big fur. Poodle fur. Yeah. yeah. It was a huge dog. And a dog, he explained to us, that has vertigo. Canine vertigo. Canine vertigo. And we even saw it. It was um, as it was walking around. It was it would stumbling like, around. It would stumble and, and, sort of and fall. And, and he said that, uh, he's like, oh, she slept through the night last night. But many nights, he's like, she can tell me that she needs to go out to use the potty. Um, he said, but because she's 95 pounds, he had to get this contraption that some sort of a harness that goes that goes around her hindquarters and her front so he can carry her out. So in the middle of the night... I mean, it's like a man carrying a horse. Yeah. In the middle of the night, this guy has to get up, put the harness on his dog, and take her outside to pee. And I was thinking, there's no way in hell. I don't think you'd do that for any of your family members. You certainly would not do that there's, for a dog. There's, there's a much better chance that we're going to have to rig up a harness so that the dog can carry me out to pee <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. I mean, just the, uh, the absurdity of it all. So you've got that guy with his harness. You've got me passed out on midday on the, uh, the stone patio. Do you think, do you think the, uh, regular listeners of the podcast, um, ever discerned the, the moment that this podcast, not this particular episode, but the podcast generally, just segued into a completely a, a, a podcast about dogs. Because <laughs> I'm wondering the same thing about my life. Four, I, don't, I don't know when my four life... Four weeks ago. Okay, well, we, we can... Uh, I thought no, those no, no, were, no, no, no. I think those are both no, no. interesting They're, interesting they're very interesting uh, to me. And and I'm just saying, I'm just saying that how much dog stuff has taken over, not the podcast, more broadly, our, our lives. We went to a store yesterday... You and I, along with our 14-year-old and our 9-year-old. And, you know, the 14-year-old and 9-year-old knew exactly what they were looking for in the store. They had brought their little wallets with their money. They were so eager to shop. And before we got out of the car, you said to them... Because I was the one who had to go into the store with them, and I'd yeah, been there before. Yeah. I've seen them But, you know, they were, they, were so, they were so excited about their shopping, little shopping excursion, and... And you adding to the excitement said, let's be quick in there. I don't want you guys agonizing over things. And I turn around and our 14-year-old just looks at me and looks like she's had the, the excitement and joy just ripped out of her soul. And our, our nine-year-old said, what does agonize mean? And you had already gotten out of the car. What does agonize mean? And I said, um, I said just ask dad when, when you get out of the car. And so as she's like tumbling out of the minivan, she says, well, how can I not agonize if I don't know what agonize means? <laughs> and I just started laughing because I was going to stay in the car. And I just rolled the window down and relayed to you what she said. How can I not agonize if I don't know what agonize means? And how perfect was it? Because first you had totally burst their shopping bubble. No, 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 no. By but telling I them you had to be quick. But... That, I, I, that was just so perfect. How can you not do something if you don't know what the heck it means? I love that I'm the shopping buzzkill. When you pull up to the store and say, I'm going to sit in the car. You guys go. Dad will take you guys in. But I'm the, I'm the wet blanket. I'm the one who is going in. 
Well, but you you had been to that store, so you knew where everything was located oh, that they wanted give to have. Give me a break. You've been to the store plenty. And... Well, anyway, that is true. I did plan to stay in the car. So I sort of wanted them to agonize over things because that would have meant I got more time alone in the car. Um, but yeah, did you? So when she got out of the car, what, what definition did you give her for agonize? I said I don't. I don't want you uh, paralyzed with indecision over should I get this one or should I get that one. If I get this one, should I get the blue or the red? If I get the red, should I get the red with this or the red with that? I don't want you overanalyzing it. And and, but you and know, I used, I used several words like debilitating and overanalyzing that they also didn't know what it meant. So it meant nothing. But you know what it what it's like as a kid, especially when you're paying with your own money, you agonize. You have to well, because yes. you don't want that shopper's regret. This is your money. You've worked hard for mm-hmm. it, and you don't want to leave and say, oh, I wish I'd gotten the orange That's one and I got the red one. That's why we went in the previous day so they could, they could preemptively agonize. Okay. And so I said to them very clearly, I don't. Th- this is preemptive agonizing, which they completely understood as a nine-year-old. Yeah, yeah. So and you said that to them the day and, before and when the you went The next day will be, will be the actual agonizing. agonizing. You're so fun to shop with. <laughs> oh, this is a bit of a non sequitur, but a couple of weeks ago now, I texted Denny because, of course, we haven't seen him during quarantine. Producer Denny Gallagher, how things were going in uh, Jersey City, if he's surviving quarantine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he told me that uh, things are good, though I've officially entered the I have a mullet phase of quarantine. Oh, you didn't tell me that. I didn't tell you that. Well, I wanted to. I wanted to shield you from that. You know, some things. Do we have? No, we don't have proof? any fo- fo- well, by, photographic. I'll proof? take his word for it. But of course. I, I just don't know if he's remedied that in the in the last couple of weeks, or, he's or if he's enhanced it. Because he's always super clean cut. Well, I just I texted him back, wondering what a a New Jersey mullet, what a nickname for a New Jersey specific mullet would be, and I, I thought of the, the Teterboro top hat. Or the Wildwood Waterfall. But some of our New Jersey listeners may may know if there's a specific. Because there's nothing we need more than a state-specific name for a mullet. Absolutely. (laughs) So maybe people from other states, they can let us know what a mullet would be called in West Virginia. Or Connecticut. Or Connecticut for that matter. But anyway, I'm just, I I say that because I'm looking at the notes on my phone, random notes, and, and I don't remember what some of them are even about. I do have the word rebubble. Rebubble? Rebubble. Would that be me in the bubble? That's that's you having created your own work bubble outside of the bubble, outside of the wobble. Is my rebubble? Is your rebubble. Okay. You hold up with your watching your games on the on the iPads and preparing to do WNBA double Get my halo like light out for when yeah, I but, do but, the but, hoop streams episode. And some of these I may have talked about, but but just so you know, on a notes mode on my phone I have rebubble. Man pantry. Mantry. Man pantry. I think we did talk about that. We did that. talk about the man pantry. And um and uh decline of Western civilization. <laughs> the decline of Western civilization through cereal box liners. Now, we didn't talk about this on the podcast, but you and I talked about it when you're trying to open the interior bag inside the cereal box. And they're awful. They're unopenable. And once they are open, they're torn in a way that you can't pour the cereal. And that wasn't the case. Now, I'm not one of these guys that everything was better than. Most things were 
considerably worse back then. And maybe it's like that now because they're better for the environment. That's Perhaps. how we have to hope. I'm just we, uh, yeah, the structural integrity of them it's is horrible. Horrible. And it's they're the similar bags that are inside like a box of Cheez-Its or something. Yeah. Anything where it has that interior bag. Yeah. The interior bag. The yes. interior bag. Yes. So whoever the secretary integrity. of the interior bags is needs to get on that. And probably bought their way to the position. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. Yes, exactly. Um, and and if uh, if um, I just don't want I just don't want the uh, the interior bag in my man pantry to lack structural integrity. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> well, our sleeping puppy is a ticking time bomb. Yes. And so we should get the viewer mail. We should. Do you think a ticking time bomb is ever a sleeping puppy? I don't do time bombs even ticking. Are there time? There, there are bombs rigged up to timers, but it, they probably it, don't it, tick in anymore. In movies and cartoons, in particular, they were rigged up to an alarm clock, right? A kind of alarm clock that would jump and vibrate on your nightstand when it went off. Now I think they're hooked up to like iPhones, where those aren't really ticking. But anyway, well, in movies they are, but who who knows what they are in real life? What are movies? That's true. Okay, yeah. Let's go to viewer mail. <laughs> Uh, Michael, our former Santo Domingo correspondent, who is now our Tokyo correspondent. Who, um, in Japanese, can ask for a monocle. Yes, exactly. Though the monocle shop doesn't sell them in in Tokyo. Uh, Sends uh, an email to ballandchainpod at gmail.com, and the header is Konichi what? (laughs) <laughs> and he writes dear steve son and rebecca son greetings from tokyo i hope this binds you both well please enjoy the following ridiculous rhymes they arrived whilst listening to last week's podcast here we go and unfortunately this is not a haiku uh, but it's it is a it is a poem of sorts snack sneaker father-in-law burglar alarm shower streaker test pit reeker <laughs> WNBA play-by-play speaker, basketball gymnasium sneaker squeaker, basement hoarder, or to be fair, antiquer, puppy crate sleeper, driving that Wrangler Jeeper. Arigato gozaimasu. Thank you very much. I actually can speak very little Japanese, but I know enough to order a beer. Namabiru wangaishimasu. Please stay happy and healthy. I remain Michael. He's our resident everything he is he's a poet he's a uh, inter- inter- international man of mystery mm-hmm. he's uh he's he's uh, been in tokyo for at least several weeks now and can only order a beer well i mean he's teaching pre-kindergarten like that's all what, yeah, that's what all you need he, to know i'm sure he to knows teach, his colors te- and his numbers and how to order a beer pre-k kids how to order a uh how to order a uh, uh, Sapporo? Sapporo, exactly thank you how do I? That's one country I've never visited. One of the few is uh, Japan, or one of the few large countries I've never visited. You have it. I've been and, and to Sapporo Japan many times. Sapporo comes to my brain before yours. Yes. Uh, Ralph in Maryland writes, um, uh, Hello, analyst Lobo and scribe Russian. I was on my way to work one morning years ago when I saw the following scene. In the front yard of a townhouse complex, a young lady dressed in a long flowing nightgown, sadly not a flowing mumu, right. uh, in a windbreaker. A long flowing nightgown and a windbreaker was waiting for a St. Bernard to do its business. I found it quite funny and st- at the time and still do. Had it been a cocker spaniel, I likely would not have paid much mind. Perhaps in 45 minutes, the young lady would be in the hand of stylists, etc., and be treated like a princess. 
Um, this is a this is perfectly apt for the the gentleman trussing up his uh, 93 pound dog and and uh, carting him out in the middle of the night to do All its right. business. I am in big trouble if the sinkhole caused by an incompletely filled in septic tank in my backyard. This is a separate thought was considered an archaeological excavation. Shards of old plates were found and were likely more than 50 years old. I kept a few. I thought Josh Gates could have fun with it, but he did not get back to me. Josh Gates hosts um, uh, Expedition Unknown, which is a favorite show of our our 11-year-old son. He goes on sort of slightly cheesy archaeological expeditions and um, Indiana Jones style. Lastly, writes Ralph, when I asked Jen Rosati for her autograph at the Smith Center in Washington, D.C., she was then coach at Hartford, and I addressed her as coach. She graciously signed a program that already had Sue Bird's autograph on it. She was attending a game at the very same Smith Center played some months before. Ironically, Coach Rosati is now with GWU and sees a whole lot of the Smith Center. Keep up the good work, Ralph. Thank you, Ralph, in, in Maryland. Um, Jen Rosati, your, your good friend and former teammate. Do you call her Jen or do you call her Coach? I call her Jen. We, I told you if there if it's a contemporary of mine who I knew before they were they'd reached the esteemed level of a coach, I'm still going to call them by their first name. Your, your your brother is is a judge. What do you call do you call him Your Honor? Do you call him Judge or do you call him by his name? I call him something completely different than usually. Call any of the, any of, none of the above. <laughs> yes. I've got one here from Michelle with one L. Our Twitter handle is at Ball and Chain Pod. Michelle sends a picture. I'll retweet this. And it says, this is from eight years ago when my Buffy, the dog, graduated from puppy training. And it's an adorable, not sure exactly what kind of dog this is, but she's adorable. It's an adorable puppy graduating from puppy training with a cap and gown on. So um, I don't know that. I wonder, that's actually... This week is our, our puppy's last puppy training class. I wonder if she'll get a little cap and gown. This uh, viewer mail comes into a ball and chain pod at gmail.com. Hello from your resident dog mom, Michelle. Welcome to the world of multiple dog ownership. Reminder, I have five. All my dogs have been adopted, so that's great that you adopted your latest. There may have been multiple applicants for her, but I think it also means the ones who didn't get Kasha have adopted another dog, which is, which is also great. I was laughing when you read your first viewer mail last week, writes Michelle. I had sat down and started the same email at some point during the pandemic. I was ready to pack up and move with dreams of living in a place you can leave poop bags on the side of the road and they get picked up by the town. Alas, where I live, the Nextdoor app often involves not nice discussions of dog owners who let their dogs poop or pee on their yard. I always pick up after my dogs on walks. I did learn never deposit your filled dog poop bag in a garbage can that has been left on the curb for pickup the next day. That is a next door no-no. Uh, you, you know what she's saying? So if you put your... If, if the trash is out on, on, say, Wednesday in our neighborhood right. and your dog poops and you fill the bag and you're down at the end of your street, do you put it in your neighbor's trash can knowing that it'll oh, be picked no. up the next day? No, we would never do that. Bring it back and put it in yours. She's saying it's a no-no, right? She's not yeah, in favor door. of that. Like, you know, the next door, like the, the your sort of local neighborhood thing, we're not on it, but... Yes. You're sort of, you know, yes. local yeah, I know what Facebook you mean. group or whatever. Um, that's an extra no no but, but that person would have had to have been caught in the act, you know? Somebody peering through the curtain, seeing you bag your dog's poop and throwing it in their trash can. You should never um, without permission you should never throw anything in your neighbor's trash can, obviously. That's that's like the eleventh commandment, right? Thou shalt not throw stuff in thy neighbor's trash can. Yes. 
That's also very similar should, to should you, do not covet your right. neighbor's wife. Uh, well, should you not covet your neighbor's no. trash? Can you take something out of your neighbor's trash can? And, I, and, and is this all related to Jerry Falwell Jr.? I, I think that was exact, actually the first wording for whichever commandment that is. It, it ended up with thou, not, thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife, but it started with thou shall not put thy goods in thy neighbor's trash can. And, and, and I know there was a commandment that involved uh, a pool boy as well, but I can't think of what it was. John writes, uh, he's our resident organ duct specialist, uh, catching up and checking in. Hey, all, Steve's detente with the dogs is great news. Hopefully it can be another case in the tradition of writers and their dogs. Thurber had mugs, Steinbeck had Charlie, and E.B. White had his faithful dachshund Fred. To a writer, all experiences are material. You know, that's a great point. Uh, travels with Charlie. John Steinbeck drove around uh, with his dog. Uh, perhaps I could do that. Even better, maybe you could do that with um, the guy's dog who has vertigo. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I'd, I'd read that. Yes, Turner and Hooch would be a movie. I, I could, um, yes, yeah, as, as I start losing my marbles. Steve, vertigo and Steve. Yes, yes. Uh, um, Stevie and Vertigo. And, and we, could, we could pick up after each other on our, on our travels around the, um, speaking of writers, wasn't my father's dangling dice a rejected Frank McCourt manuscript, writes John. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I was I was running uh, to Central Park once, to jogging to the park to go running, and but still, like on Columbus Avenue, jogging in place at a light like an idiot. When Frank McCourt, the author of Angela's Ashes, walked by, and I recognized this big head of white hair—not a big head, a head of white hair—and his second book, Tiz, had had come out, though I hadn't read it. But I, I made believe that I had, and I said to him, uh, as I jogged by him, he was standing there at the light, I said, I said, um, I love your books, having only read one of them. And he looked up and said, tanks. That was it. That was, that <laughs> tanks. was the exchange. Tanks, yeah. So, well, um, that's I perfect, that nice. since his book was Tiz, for him to say tanks. tanks. Yes, yes, tanks and tiz. Uh, and finally, writes John, an apology for confusing Washington's teeth and hair. It happens a lot with me, which is why my dentist just sighs and complies when I ask for a comb out. <laughs> now, I have to say, we know who John is, and and he came up in conversation yesterday. As the kids were talking about return to school, our, uh, the, the kids said that he is the best science teacher ever, and that's that's an exact quote. Especially from one of our nine, kids. Especially yeah. the nine-year-old. I think she's but the then, one who brought but, it up first. Then, He's the best then, science teacher ever. And but then, then our the older oldest said because, because he often goes off-topic, and they love that, yes. and, does, and does fun demos and things like that. The other science teachers, they also love, as they said, but they, they stay on-topic more often, <laughs> which they don't love so much. So, John, thank you, and thank you for going off-topic. Here's another one that came in from Twitter. Um, from Alana and she sends a picture and it says this came in the box along with the basketball and sundry items I ordered is someone trying to tell me something so apparently what was ordered was a basketball and sundry items and what was in the box with it Tylenol for arthritis pain (laughs) Tylenol eight hour (laughs) for arthritis pain that was not ordered but uh but of course if you're ordering anything from anywhere they know the demographic that that you are and so they threw in that's something. The Tylenol for arthritis pain. Everybody can use eventually. True. Right? Uh, Myra writes, Hi, Rebecca and Steve. The Ball and Chain resident experts have certainly added a wealth of information to the podcast. I think so, oh, too. Without question. Um, 
I was fascinated, she writes, by the protocols and procedures involved in archaeological excavations that Jill in Arizona described in regard to my Minnesota Kicks t-shirt and kazoo search. I can sum up the protocols and procedures I followed in one word. Oops. By the way, your description of Chris from Cheshire's BNC resident something or other position as a generalist with a surface knowledge of a lot of things is a perfect match to a reference librarian in a public library. Since I'm actually retired from the profession and the latter part of my career didn't involve reference work, I think a something or other would be a great addition to the BNC resident pool. Signed, Myra, your Kazulis BNC resident librarian. Um, for those who haven't read it, uh, Susan Orlean's book, uh, The Library Book, is is fantastic. It's centered around um, a huge, uh, devastating fire at the Central Library in downtown Los Angeles in the 1980s. But it has all kinds of stuff in there about the people who work at the library, uh, the people who patronize the library, and in particular, in those 1980s years, uh, where the book is that and 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 the uh, search for the arsonist um, that started the fire. But but. There's a lot of good arcane stuff, uh, the 1980s library world, where they had all of these librarians uh, who would man phone lines to actually essentially serve as the Internet before there was an Internet. So if you wanted to know, you know, do dogs smoke cigarettes, as we looked up on our phone this morning, there was no Internet. So you would call a person at the at the Central Library in Los Angeles, and then they would do research on the history of dogs smoking or or what the capital of, of uh, you know, Guatemala was, or the population of, of uh, Timbuktu, that sort of thing. And, and we forget, you had to look that stuff up at one time. Well, we still looked it up. We still look it up. We just no, look no, it up no, in our no, no. You hand. had to drive somewhere. Oh no, physically I, going to building, I and, it, and it was and it was wonderful. It was awesome. I mean, it was it was. That's why I could spend hours old afternoons would disappear there or just sitting in one of the aisles at a bookstore looking through an almanac for god's sake an almanac was the internet right i i just i even remember a high school project or a paper had to write and uh and our local library wasn't sufficient for the for what we had to do so there's a few of us in my high school class drove to Westfield State College at the time. It's now Westfield State University. So we could use their library. We were there all day with our note cards and citing everything and writing all the information down so that when we wrote our paper, we would have, we needed access to a lot more than our town library had. And uh, now you could do that within five minutes just at your fingertips. But you've lost something also. I mean, I it's, it's a great thing, of course. And, and the internet has also brought many horrible things with it. But, um, but I wouldn't remember researching that paper if I had done it on my not. laptop versus, you know, going with friends to the state or the you know, local state college. Well, this has never happened before since we've been doing the podcast. And that is while I've been looking at the viewer mail. A viewer mail came in. A viewer mail just came in. I mean, this is this this. I'm looking at as I look at my laptop, it's 10, 18 a.m. And this came in at 10, 16 a.m. One minute ago, as it says in parentheses from Barb from South Windsor referring to her son-in-law, Chris from Cheshire, who was just referred to in a previous viewer mail. That's so this is timely as today's headlines. Right. Uh, hi, Stephen, Rebecca. Thank you so much for giving my son-in-law, Chris from Cheshire, who reads your books on the beach at Cape Cod, resident status last week on the podcast. I was outside weeding, listening to you both. When we don't drive anywhere, it's important to use all possible resources to keep up to date on podcasts 
And usually when I let Chris know you've mentioned him, he hasn't listened to it yet. But this time, no sooner had I walked in the door to wash my hands and text him, he had contacted me. You definitely made his day. He's a great guy, a teacher who had a pretty stressful summer, so this was well-deserved. Well, I can imagine he's had a pretty stressful summer. And we were talking about this this morning, about you know the uncertainty, even with our own kids, at a week before the start of school of, you know, are there fall sports? Are there, you know, but anyway, so thank you, Chris, for um, being a teacher and dealing with this, some some of it unnecessary stress. Chris always refers to me as the puzzle person, writes Barb, and I know you already have a resident puzzler. Just a shout out for a company called Bits and Pieces. I'm working on a thousand piece puzzle of theirs now and know that two pieces are missing, olive green, gray color, and I only have the sky to finish. I like that she tells us, describes the pieces so in case other viewers have seen those pieces. Right. You know? But it does help paint a better picture that way. Well, she says, I sent them an email, and not only did they answer in less than a week, but they're crediting my account $21 to use for a new puzzle. I know you are a Ravensburger fan, and I like White Mountain, but these are also awesome puzzles, bits and pieces. Uh, High-quality, glossy, heavy-duty cardboard with unusual shapes as well. Now that I've retired from teaching, I'll probably be competing with Chris and his weekly emails to you. Always enjoy listening. Hope your kids have a safe opening, or are they fully remote already? Looking forward to your to brighter days warmly. Barb from South Windsor. Thank you so much, Barb. Right now, the kids are returning uh, to in in person yeah, learning. In person learning. They they both go I mean, to the fr- relatively small schools, but we're certainly prepared for that to to change to end pretty quickly. Is going to be my guess, but uh, just think of how our vocabulary just changed. Our kids aren't going back to school. Our kids are going back for in-person That's learning. That's what I stumbled on. Because what do you call it? We used then, to call it school. And then, and then, but we're pretty confident that it's most likely we're, we're preparing for a hybrid model and also for remote learning. Like what? <laughs> we can't just. It's not a. You shouldn't like. Pretty soon, it's going to be on the commercials and in the flyers instead of a back-to-school sale. It's going to be. Well, do, you know. But, Oh, the, the, in-person I've learning seen, I've seen sale. The commercials, you know, whatever, Hi. whatever, wherever you're going to school, whether it's you know in school or staying they at home, still need pencils, yeah, exactly. And, and you know they, what they don't need, and I think I talked about this last week, is all the money I'm spending on their back-to-school uniforms. Right, right. Well, think of how our vocabulary instantly adopted adapted to this stuff, and I think of the phrase social distancing, which everyone knows. It's everywhere. It's on every sign, decals on the floor of every store. And that was a phrase that I'd never heard of in my life. I don't think it was invented for this pandemic, but it was, it was probably used only among epidemiologists and things like that. I'd never heard it before, and now it's probably the most used phrase of 2020. Yeah, without question. And, and, and at least people with kids, the next biggest new phrase in terms of the frequencies it's used is remote learning, distance yes. learning, or uh, social distancing and remote, remote learning. learning and and uh, 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 work from home is one that's been around for years but that's another one that is is uh, well been... I mean before March zoom meant nothing to us other than a word that would be in bold letters right, right. in a comic book strip right. so it's uh it's our new world well finally Heading cleanup is uh, Dr. Gary Siegel, who writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I can't begin to thank you enough for putting me in the forehole during many podcasts. I'm honored and humbled. I do wish to clarify my comment regarding an uneventful baby delivery. <laughs> From my last note, please know that if a surgeon, obstetrician, dentist, electrician, plumber, etc. performs a routine action in a routine manner with a good outcome, that describing said action as uneventful is good news indeed. No one wants to hear the plumber say inst- <laughs> installing that ice maker was a real doozy. 
You know that's going to cost you, by the way. Uh, extrapolating, writes Dr. Siegel. I think that my description of a particular birth as uneventful is meant to be music to the new parent's ears. By no means that I mean to imply that giving birth was, for the mother or the father, uneventful. Indeed, the laboring woman and her partner both deserve kudos, with perhaps the recently delivered mother getting not only a large dose of kudos, larger dose of kudos than the father, but also a push present as well. Now, Dr. Siegel, uh, I hope in, in the same uh, spirit, understands that we're completely busting his chops when we pick no, apart uh, of course like he that. is which is the whole reason he used the ridiculous yeah. fa- phrase push present yeah. because he knew my ears would raise yes, when yes, i heard yes. push present i, I think, like, I think is I there, think, is there I think, anything that could demean <laughs> not even demean but just maybe demean Patronize or, or, yeah or, the or, whole act and the the discomfort that goes with delivering a child for the woman then Mm, did you give her a push present? Well, not, not, she, not, she pushed well. Here, not, she, now, she deserves a little I feel, piece of jewelry. I fear a that push present. I fear that Dr. Siegel's uh, 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 sincere uh, effort to dig himself out of a hole here, as you pushing him, pushing him farther down. No, because because uh, I, I think even though I've never met Dr. Siegel in person, I do believe I know the kindness of his heart. So I think he intentionally used push present because he too finds it to be an obnoxious phrase that minimizes, that's the word, that minimizes the ordeal that laboring women go through by giving them a push present. Well, it's, well, it just makes me think like, like Pez or a push pop. Right. Like here's a little treat here's a little piece of candy for you little lady for just laboring and it's delivering a, a child after carrying it for nine months it certainly makes me feel and, better for never having gotten you say, and because, where the heck are my push because, because now i know that, that I never got this, this is the response i would have gotten for children you. i would have i would have, i would have gotten you i would have gotten you a a a a, a, a softball sized diamond just, that you would have bashed me over the head with saying this 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 patronizing thing this is what you think this is this is um I am glad we we didn't come along in the time of like the gender reveal. I'm glad there wasn't a push present because no matter what that present would be, seriously, a woman would be like, really? Even if it was a baseball sized diamond, a woman would be like, really? Did you see the size of the thing that came out of me? I've (laughs) often said that that for us, for me anyway, the the gender reveal was often when the, the child turned two and I changed his diaper for the first time. Right. You have often said that. If I said that too many times, <laughs> no, you said it it's, just it's cer- enough times. It's, it's certainly, it's, it's, but it's not there, even true. I changed diapers from day one. I know. So. Is there, anyway, is there any, it, was, it was funny once. Is there any one more? time? Yes. Uh, well, Dr. you de- you debated you debated whether I should be Doctor Siegel or Gary. Writes Doctor Siegel, or possibly Gary. I don't know yet. Please know that I've always introduced myself by my first and last names, occasionally using the title doctor when on the phone or in a situation where clarity is needed. Now, Dr. Siegel didn't write this. I'm just saying this, or perhaps when restaurant reservations are uh, right. are necessary. Uh, in the professional setting, most non-physicians insist on calling me Dr. Siegel, but I've always enjoyed being Gary to so many women and their families. Should you wonder, I've certainly been called much worse. Uh, Steve, at the end of Chapter 9 in Knights in White Castle, you eloquently describe how your mother stored away in a Tupperware container a letter and business card from Sports Illustrated's Alex Wolf that you received as a college student. As a parent, that brought a tear to my eye. Rest in peace, Jane Russian. Well, that is really appreciated and, and kind. Thank you, Dr. Siegel. My mother, who passed away uh, coming up on the anniversary, September 5th, 1991, but, uh, but uh, is a key character in, in both of those books. 
and and secondarily a key character in my life. I was say <laughs> a key a figure. Key, that's how you're describing your yeah. deceased mother. I said, I said, I said is I, a key character. I, my only regret is yes, is that I couldn't say it. If you know, she she'll be a key character and. I mean, <laughs> we need to end the podcast no, no, no. permanently as as a thing. We need to we need to we need to end oh, me first, as what you're saying. First, say something nice about your mother. Well, if you can Dr. finish by saying she's Dr. a key character in your book, Doctor Siegel has just said something nice about my mother. I would and, say but, something but, nice, but I never but, met your but mother. But Doctor Siegel is saying something nice about my mother, which is really well appreciated. But he's saying it in reference to a nice thing I said about my mother in in a book that he's reading. <laughs> You're so uncomfortable saying something nice about a loved one. No, 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 no. A what one? No, no. <laughs> Just go no, on. I'm, I'm, Just finish. Uh, Just finish. I, it's, very, Doctor, it's very sweet. Dr. Siegel says, can say something nice about your mother in a better way than you could right now. So just finish his letter. Well, of course. He's Dr. Siegel. Uh, with warmest regards, Gary with two R's. Uh, I think uh, we should segue straight from, from Gary to Harry. By the way, how about we get together, Tom, Dick, and Harry, with Dr. Siegel. He must have some musical chops on something, given his Renaissance man-like uh, persona, but both delivering children and well, attending we, Formula One races. In 2021, when, when a vaccine is found and we don't longer have to social distance, we're going to finally have the long-planned um, resident convention. And um, so Tom, Dick, and Harry, our resident well, musicians, and Dr. Gary Siegel, we, our resident um, OBGYN, of course, will meet at the long planned but, but until convention. then, does Denny know, by the way, that he's supposed no. to be planning yeah, that? Yeah, we haven't <laughs> planned it or even mentioned it ever. But, but until then, Tom, Dick, and Gary <laughs> play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous While we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane